so excited to be back on enjoying the journey today. I get the privilege to talk with Dr. Tim Robnett, who I got to meet years ago uh, through an organization called the Luis Palau Association. And he has been doing some amazing things, uh, works with evangelists and all, all kinds of things. But I just, uh, I wanna welcome you, Dr. Tim. Thank you for taking time with us today. And if you wouldn't mind, just give us a little little background about who you are, even a little bit into your, to your own faith journey. Well, thank you, Rob. Uh, well, I, I'm a person now in my eighth decade. I'm uh, in my early 70s. So it's, uh, here we are, you know, you arrive at these points of life. But uh, um, I was born and raised in California. Uh, my dad was a relatively new follower of Christ. Uh, my mom uh, had known the Lord since uh, her early teen years. Uh, but for my dad, it was one of those kind of, you know, dark delight kind of experiences. And um, I share that because that really influenced, uh, you know, my upbringing and that uh, bottom line, you know, Jesus was a real deal. You know, this wasn't just go to church twice a year. It was... Um, my mom and dad's life. They're very, I would say more on the quiet side, you know, steady, hardworking folks. But, uh, you know, church was the center of our our family. I mean, we were there, you you would say all the time, but uh, to me, it wasn't a, a phony thing or it wasn't uh, something that they were trying to impress people. They were there because they loved Jesus and they wanted other people to know Jesus. And so at at a young age, I guess, you know, around seven, I, I made a commitment to Christ. I heard the gospel many, many, many times. Uh, no doubt raised my hand many times in all the Bible studies and Sunday school class. But uh, evangelists preached at our church. And uh, I don't know what night. It was an evening meeting, however, that I, I made a public decision. I went forward in a meeting, you know, and I said, I, I want to be saved. And, uh, I've, you know, some of my uh, most lasting memories was actually not no much not so much going forward in this public meeting, but in the pastor's office afterwards, I talked to one of the, one of the deacons talked to me, hmm. and, and I I just remember that as very vivid. It was very positive, and uh, uh, I, I remember the back of his hand because now my hand is that way, you know, with age spots on it, you know, <laughs> but. Uh, it was, it's a good memory. And uh, uh, long story short, his daughter actually ended up marrying my uncle. So, you oh. know, that relationship, uh, you know, goes on. But after he'd shared the gospel and after we, I had prayed to give my life to Christ, he said to me these words, the Bible says it, you believe it, that settles it. Mm. So that's uh, 63 years or so ago. And uh uh, you know, those are memories very vivid to me, very important, you know, to me. So, uh, you know, when when someone is born again or meets Jesus, we obviously don't become perfect, but we have a savior. Right. And uh, so, you know, as a typical little guy growing up, did bad things, good things. Uh, my teenage years spiritually were. Uh, I guess you'd say I just kind of lacked uh, security in Christ. You know, I, mm. I grew up in a Baptist church, so the gospel's preached all the time. You're asked to, you know, get saved every Sunday. <laughs> but there came a time as a teenager 
I was somewhere between uh, probably around 15. I remember it was a Sunday morning and, you know, the sermons preached and, you know, you have that feeling in your heart. Oh, I want to make sure I'm saved. And I just said to myself that Sunday, I said, look, I've been going forward my whole life. So I'm either saved or I'm not, but I'm not going forward. But that, uh, you know, personal growth, development, awareness really brought me peace. Mm. Because in that sense, I think I finally said, well, God, if you're going to save, then you got to do it because I can't. Right. And that's really what salvation is anyway. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's letting God do what we cannot do he, to forgive us, to come into our life, to, uh, you know, receive us as his children. And so that was um, um, a very important, you know, moment in my spiritual journey that I came uh Shall we say there's the biblical term rest in Christ? You know, I'm not anxious anymore, but I'm secure. That doesn't mean I was perfect, but that sense of, uh, you know, God with me, God within me, God, you know, just has been with me through the years. And from that point, um, I think in my spiritual journey, it was definitely uh, a time where God's word, the Bible, became more dynamic in my life. Mm. I mean, it became more daily. You know, even as a yeah. teenager, I, I had a, a, a translation, Living Bible and the King James Version. So <laughs> it, was, it was the mid-60s. Sure. But li reading the Living Translation uh, just uh, created a whole new spiritual uh, experience for me because I understood. And I remember one of the things I understood was the concept of whether we want to say God's power, the authority of the word. But I remember one day reading the Bible and I said to myself, because I was reading one of Paul's epistles, and I said, hmm. how does this guy have such authority? I mean, how can he say these things hmm. with such confidence? Yeah. So I'm reading the Bible, but it was connecting, you know, um, the power or the authority of the spiritual life with the word of God. Hmm for me so what paul wrote become can become my experience because god was inspiring paul and so the word of god during that season of my life was elevated to uh confidence uh spiritual authority you might say hmm. um certainly learning things yeah but learning trust god but but um and, and as i look back now many many years my classmates in college high school they recognized that and i i didn't necessarily i didn't recognize that sure but i i guess i gained a reputation that i wasn't looking for right but at our 50th high school reunion you know some of these things people would say about me i go what you know i i don't I, you don't realize that but it impacted their lives and where did that power authority come from? It came certainly by being born again, the spirit living in you, yeah. but by the word of God, as you, you read it, you are transformed. Mm. You gain certain values. You don't do certain things. You do other things. You have a certain spirit about you. And so um, this is my spiritual journey. And uh, I'm very, very thankful that... Um, you know, I was born in a Christian home. Uh, there was an authentic 
experience with my mom and dad and how they raised us, how they loved the Lord. Um, you know, we, we had problems, we had challenges just like everybody else, but, you know, Christ was there and there was uh, consistency and, and love. So that's carried me, you know, through my whole life, through, through college, through amazing, you know, I, I went to Stanford uh, on a scholars, football scholarship and, the older I get, I, I keep asking, how did that happen? How did, you know, how did wow. I that? What, what and, position uh, did you play? I was a defensive back. And uh, the, uh, the years I was there, two years, we went to the Rose Bowl. And mm. uh, I know you're a Midwesterner, but we yep. beat uh, Ohio State in 71 and Michigan in 72. So uh, even though we were uh, kind of the hippies from Palo Alto, we, we still knew how to play football. So I love it. Well, and yeah. I'm glad you beat Ohio State because I'm a Hawkeye fan. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and Michigan just whooped Iowa in the uh, right before the bowl game. Oh, uh, the championship, yeah. Big Ten championship. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Just took. so so you even got the experience of of playing collegiate Division One football. Yeah, that is quite quite. Uh, so so you uh, you you raised in a Christian home, grow up, you know, learning. Uh, inspired by the Bible as a teenager, go on to play at Stanford uh, for a couple of years. What drew you into ministry, more of a vocation, like full-time ministry? Um, yeah, what, what, what kind of sparked that? Yeah, well, it was the, you know, I was in college, the late 60s, early 70s. So the current situation in our culture to me, so much cultural change going on, value change, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of lawlessness from my perspective as I look at you know public life. And so my years at Stanford, um, there were riots on campus, protests of the Vietnam War primarily. Uh, you know, politics were hot. Uh, the hippies were around. Uh, you know, back then it was free sex. It's everywhere now, but then it was you know. <laughs> kind of coming out more people spoke smoking marijuana potheads uh uh you know the rock concerts you know that was very new for culture and so culture then that is society itself uh, different groups uh change you know happening on a mass scale um so i was at stanford we had a great uh group of believers on the football team had a great small group Bible study fellowship, but also I was going to uh, a great church, a uh, very Bible centered church, Peninsula Bible Church. Ray Stedman was a pastor then. And mm. so Bible teaching. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was very gifted and made the scriptures very relevant to where we were. So um, I was just it's so impressed of how you know, Ray teaching the word of God made it so practical to where we were and to the, you know, big issues. So kind of in my mind during these two and a half years, I was at Stanford attending Peninsula Bible Church. I just uh, became, I guess I just said, God, if you could use me, here's my life. I didn't just say that once. I was, right. I was kind of moving in that direction because I had a vocational objective to be a, a a teacher, uh, you know, get a degree in education and to be a football coach. Okay. I dreamed of that my whole life, <laughs> pretty much. 
And uh, so there was this kind of this change going on. So at the end, I, my, I got married. I have a wonderful wife, Sharon. We got married in our junior year. So mm-hmm. my senior year, as I get toward graduation, I, I had three things I was working on, an application to the School of Education at Stanford, applied to a seminary, applied to a program in this church called the internship program where you kind of did ministries, Bible study and stuff. And I was just praying fervently, oh God, show me, you know, what's going to happen. I'm married. I got to do something with my life. Right. And my prayer was basically, look, I've applied three places. I at least got to get one and that will be your clear direction. I get one choice, you know, you'll show clearly what you want me to do. Well, at the end of the day, I was accepted at all three. Oh, wow. <laughs> I could get my master's in education. I get a master's in divinity. I could do, do an internship. Hmm. So uh, I kind of discovered then, or this is the way I, my journey with God is, is, you know, finding God's will is like playing tennis with God. Mm. You know, God serves, boom, you know, what do you want to do in life? And I hit the ball back, Lord, what's your will for my life? God hits it back, you know, well, what do you want to do? Then I hit it back, Lord, what do you want me to do? Mm. I don't know if uh, people have thought, you know, understanding God's will is that way, but that's what it came out to be. Yeah. So, you know, I'm fervent because I've been praying. I mean, very, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? And then, so I lay up on the line, these three things. And then the question came out, well, what do you want to do? You got to make a choice here of what you want to do. So this is a conversation. Sorry, I'm getting very long. The end of the day, in the end of the day, about eight years later, I realized I did all three. Oh, Uh, I did the internship. I went to seminary, I'm pastoring a church, and a member of the church asked me to help coach the freshman football team (laughs) in Palm Springs, California. And I'm standing out on the field, I don't know, somewhere in 1980-something, and it just stopped me. You know, the Lord said, look, you know, what was in your heart, you've done. Wow. And it takes me back to Psalms uh, uh, 32, uh, delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Mm-hmm. You know, so the concept of delighting in God is very important. It's not just, you know, thinking God's a Scrooge and he doesn't want you to be happy or, you know, whatever. And certainly that comes by studying the word of God. Yep. And that happened as a teenager, it, you know, happened as I progressed along. So um, I'm not sure where I got to hear the tell this story. But anyway, that's how I ended up uh, after my college years and into my early years of ministry. And so, so you got to do all three. I think this is great. I think this is huge. And, and the reason I think it's huge, I have a 19 year old son right now and just graduated high school, uh, joined the national guard. So he went and did his basic training, his AIT unsure maybe what he was going to do after that so he's gone for about five months halfway through that five months he goes dad i sent you a letter i'm interested to come work for for rise i'm like what when you left i said there could be an opportunity and you're like i don't i don't want that i don't want this and so he says you know i'm praying and i feel god leading me there so now fast forward his basic training's done ait's done he's in the position right now of our church and partner uh, relations. He's probably month and a half, maybe two months wet behind the ears in it. And he's like, 
I don't know what God's telling me. I don't know if I'm supposed to go here or if I'm supposed to go there or, or whatever. And uh, I think you're right. It is like a tennis match. You serve the ball. You, it goes back and forth. I also heard a pastor friend one time tell me, you know, sometimes it, bo- both options are right. You know, God's going to use you in, in, in both, both circumstances. It's just you come to a fork in the road. You have to decide. And I love how you brought up the word choice. You, you know, what do you choose? You're asking God, you're pouring out your heart. You want to faithfully, you know, go down the path he's leading you. But at the end of the day, you have to, you have to make a, a choice because as you said, <laughs> it would have been easy if you would have said, all right, yep, you got the internship. The other two were no, they were no. Right. Yeah. But when they all show up, it, it's making that choice. And, and I just love how you put that at the end of eight years, you were able to do all three. And I, I think I've even seen that in my own journey uh, in different ways where now 20 plus years in the ministry, I've gotten to do some things that I dreamed about and still get to do. And that's, it's so, so neat. So you get to do that. You're pastoring a church, but I also know you work for a very large uh, evangelistic ministry for, for some time also uh, hosted or directed as we use in this world, uh, international festivals. So how, how do you, how do you go from, you know, these three things that God led you to pastoring a church to now you're, you're on staff for, I, I always say, you know, there's Billy Graham. Then there was Luis Blau. He, he's like the Argentinian Billy Graham. I mean, big, big outreaches, opportunities. How'd you, how'd you end up with the plow team? Well, the, the journey is, um, you know, the source of the journey is, is the, the same. It's your heart. Yeah. And so I'm pastoring a church for 11 years. And what rose to the top of my passion was seeing people come to Christ. Mm. I mean, I love preaching. I love the people. But the fire was, you know, seeing people truly born again because, um, I pastored in Palm Springs, California, and I met a lot of broken people. Sure. People that, you know, coming from kind of protected Christian family, Stanford was a little more open to the world. But then when I got into Palm Springs, um, a place of retirement, a place of entertainment, a place of Mm. Hollywood celebrities, there are many experiences for me that were very intimate, one-on-one. I was a chaplain for the fire department. Oh. Saw all kinds of hideous things. Uh, people that literally walked through the door of my office during the week. One guy walked in the door and he said, I've gone to five churches. And, I, and I've and i asked him how I could be born again. No one could tell me. Oh, wow. And I led him to Christ that day. His whole family came to Christ. The, you know, the joy of seeing that, but also the brokenness of of people's lives. And in that brokenness, I realized, you know, as a human being, um, I can't help them. Oh. I personally can't help them. I know someone who can. Yep. And his name is Jesus. Yeah. And if you get to know Jesus, then there's hope for your life. And uh, there are, I can't tell all the stories, but yeah. so again, in my heart is this growing passion to see people saved. Mm. Same time, Luis Plow comes to our city. I meet the team, um, you know, and um, in that, you know, several months, 
yep. I was made aware of, they were looking for an international uh, crusade director, they call in those days. Wow. And uh, so the, the passion for evangelism, and I would have to say the gifting of working with leaders, I had become, the, you know, and in my late 30s, I was the, the president of the pastor's fellowship of our denomination, over 100 churches. Wow. And I, I, I don't brag about that, but yeah, I, I wasn't looking for that. The right. pastor shows me to be that. Wow. And then um, the, uh, the concept of the, you know, international I grew up in a church that missions was big. It was all the time, and mm. that had been planted in my head. And there was that desire. I wonder if God could use me outside of the U.S. Ooh. So those three things coalesced, and I was invited to become uh, on staff with Palau and, and direct uh, festivals or crusades in Asia and Africa. Wow. And uh, so, again, it was God working in my heart. Yeah. of certain desires. I mean, I love the church. I, I love the church I was in. I love mm -hmm. the people. It, was, it doubled in size in a decade, and mm -hmm. just many friends to this day are from that community. Um, but whether you say calling or, you know, whatever, you sure. know, I was growing, I was changing. And so I had the opportunity to join the, the Plow team in 1990. Mm -hmm. And um, first festivals or crusades well, actually, the first ministry I did was in Southern California, uh, organizing some dinner events, outreach events that were sure. just, you know, dinner events. Yep. And then the first international was in the Philippines, uh, Davao City, a smaller one, and then in Manila, where uh, the last night we had over 100,000 people come. And again, that was not because of me, frankly, it was, or, or Luis, it was because of the churches mm. and the unity that existed among the churches, the desire of the churches to see people come to Christ. And uh, so that was um, a wonderful time. Yeah. Wow. Um, so 10 years I did that. And then in uh, roughly 2000 became director of Next Generation Alliance, hmm. which um, was the, the Luis Palau Association's efforts and, and desire to help young evangelists. And um, so, again, here's another story. I think, you know, everyone's life is unique. But originally in college, I want to be a coach. Mm. After I started working with the young evangelist, one of them, not me, started calling me coach. Uh -huh. yeah. And, um, you know, that was spontaneous. No one, no one asked. It just what he did. And so I kind of got labeled that. Mm. <clears throat> but again, you know, God, you know, it's the mystery of God that he creates everyone unique with, you know, all kinds of variables in life. Yeah. But how, you know, as a young man, I wanted to be a coach. Yeah. And then in, in midlife and a little bit older, I was a coach, not of uh, football players. Right. But of evangelist. And that was their title for me. I, I didn't, I wasn't trying to be called that. Sure. So, um, you know, God creates us in, you know, unique ways, and those get to be lived out in life. So, yeah. That is awesome. And then you take it a whole nother step. After after Plow, uh, you, you get to start um, your kind of your own coaching, mentoring. Uh, yeah, walk us, walk us through that. What... Um, what that's like with E-Team Global and 
you know, still being able to live out the desires of your heart. And I've learned that you've trained up. I guess we could throw the word coach. You've coached up 19,000 evangelists. So I, I love how you weaved through this conversation today, the desires of your heart. And that, you know, when, when God places some of these in our hearts or the spirit starts to flame them and they start to grow and, and all of a sudden look back over our journeys, we're like, oh, huh, I did get to do some of that. Now, it doesn't look exactly the way I thought it would. I'm not coaching football players, but I'm coaching 19,000 people that are bringing the gospel to many, many thousands and, and millions of people. So, so walk us through now. Now you transition into E-Team e Global. And if I understand correctly from the title, uh, I'm assuming a lot of your efforts are, are over overseas. Yeah, I mean, the global uh, affirmation of working globally for Christ. You know, when I, when I joined the Plow team, it was, uh, let's see. I'm not sure if it will work or not, you know. Right. And then there's that desire, but will it work? Will God use me in an international context? Mm. And, uh, you know, he did. Uh, you know, I didn't have any special training uh, in uh, intercultural studies, which I probably should have. <laughs> Sure. But uh, hopefully I took a spirit of, um, in working with leaders, a spirit of respect okay. to the leaders I worked with and really asking them the question, how can I help you? Mm. How can we do this together? And it's not about just me or us or the plow team, but it's about the body of Christ. It's about the mission Christ gave us to do. How can we do that together? Sure. And hopefully through the years, that's, you know, characterize my relationships with anybody, but particularly the leaders that we worked with. Yeah, the, you know, the, the bump in the road here is I didn't expect that my role at the plow team would end, but it did oh. not just for me, but a number of people because of the economics of the day. Sure. So basically, basically at 60 years of age, I'm unemployed for the first time in my life, and I've been working for wages since I was 14. So. Mm. A little bit of a shock, um, quite a bit of a shock. Yeah. You know, I turned to the Lord uh, probably more serious than ever before. There were the days at Stanford. There were days, you know, joining the plow team. And now what are you going to do with your life at 60? <clears throat> and so honestly, for several months, I prayed and uh, prayed daily. Many times, <laughs> spent most of the day in prayer. Mm. And uh, th this... This came to me during those days, November of 2010, that I was to continue to do what my heart, you know, was telling me to do. Yeah. As, as I'm seeking God, this isn't just on my own. What do you want to do in life? It was, again, God, what do you want me to do? So that's when the mission of my life was clarified, that I am to identify, affirm, train, mobilize evangelist. Mm. And... Um, I mean, that daily it came to me. I wrote it down. I prayed through those things. I was greatly influenced and blessed by being director of Next Generation Alliance because, again, the, the coaching part of however God had gifted me um, was displayed there. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't seeking that. I wasn't trying to, you know, I just was living life daily following Jesus. And that's what came out. And uh, so I think... Always be authentic, you know, mm -hmm. to be really who God's made you to be.
and in that is peace and joy. It doesn't mean you don't work hard and right. sacrifice and all those things. So really the last, now the 12th year we're in E-Team Global came out of that time. Identify, affirm, train, mobilize, evangelist. E-Team Global term was birth. E stands for evangelist. Hmm. Team Global. So, yeah. you know, the privilege of working with the Palau team, most evangelists don't have large organizations. It's right. themselves yeah. and their wife or two people or three people, and they serve the church. So having a team, uh, being part of a team, as well as doing ministry, has a value to the most of the evangelists that are alone. And that's not just in the U.S., it is globally okay. in terms of that. So it's probably another conversation or podcast just talk about the evangelist but um, you know ephesians 4 some are apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers so these are individuals jesus christ has given to the church it's not a spiritual gift in the sense of the spirit of god holy spirit giving gifts that's also what the holy spirit does but it says in ephesians 4 the lord gave to the church and so historically, that's been, in a sense, the leaders of the church, both locally and globally. And one of those unique uh, persons is the evangelist. Sure. Um, and the evangelist, you know, uh, well, evangel evangelist talks about good news. Yeah. Talks about really proclaiming good news. So it, it, you need proclamation and, and you need good news to have an evangelist. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, um, it's not just doing good works. I mean, we're all to do good works, but the evangelist is to proclaim the news that transforms our life by what Jesus Christ has done on the cross and has been uh, validated in the resurrection that we can be born again. Mm. And uh, that is a message everyone we pray hears and we pray everyone would respond and say, yes, Lord, I need a savior. I am a sinner. My life is not perfect. And though I'm a valued, God values sinners. Right. That's why he sent to save them. But we can't save ourselves no. because our sin has offended God in, enormously. Yeah. And there's only one way of forgiveness through the death of Jesus Christ on, in our place. And uh, that death provides forgiveness and uh, the satisfaction of God's wrath so we can know God personally. So, God can know us. We're no longer enemies of God. We're friends of God, you know. So those individuals uh, just cannot stop talking about the gospel. Yeah. It, it just, it's the first thing, it's the last thing that you want to tell someone is about Christ. Mm. And I love Joe Aldridge, former uh, president of Multnomah Seminary, uh, wonderful evangelist, preacher of the good news, tender, warm, um, man, but his favorite question, I think, to us is, I wasn't a student, but I worked with him, I taught there, was, do you love the Savior? Mm. Love the Savior. And uh, I think, you know, for the evangelist, that's uh, a tearjerker all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I love the Savior. I, I, he's beautiful. He's wonderful. I, I can't wait to meet him you know, face yep. to face. So yep. that's the evangelist. They get all, you know, not in social issues not in politics not in the kind of church or music but they want to know do you love the savior what a great question yeah yeah what and, so, and wow i mean i just 
I love everything that that you've talked about today. I mean, just and, and that's such a a pointed but beautiful question because that's what it comes comes down to. Do you love the Savior? Um, especially if you've been taught or he's been presented to you. If he hasn't, then that's the role of the evangelist is to yes. proclaim that. But once you hear it, is do you, do you love the Savior? As we uh, as we wrap up today, we always like to ask our guests. So we're on this thing called a journey, enjoying the journey. And we like to ask if you could have anyone on this journey with you, past, present, who would it be? Uh, it's my wife. Ah. And my wife, Sharon, she's just uh, a wonderful lady. And uh, we've been married 50 years and uh, it's gone by very fast. It's not perfect. We still argue pretty much every day and get to know <laughs> each other. Yeah. We actually haven't changed very much through our journey. Um, I mean, in our personality and our quirks, you know. Right. But, um, I'm sure we've changed in terms of, again, uh, understanding Christ, understanding what it is to know him and what that means for life, what it means for raising kids. You know, second group is my son and daughter. Mm. I love them. Just uh, admire their faith. They're um, just so glad, you know, they're following the Lord, raising their own family, grandkids. Yeah. You know, so who I want on my journey is my family. And it just gets bigger and bigger. Um, can't wait to get to heaven to see my parents again and, mm -hmm. you know, others. Um, uh, and, I, you know, I come back to that word authentic. Life with Christ it's, it has a lot of trouble. I mean, a lot of sorrow, a lot of tragedy. Uh, my mom died of cancer at 53. Uh, mm -hmm. Our first grandbaby uh, died at birth. I mean, you know, death and pain. You know, it's the common experience of us all. The question is, who is with you in the journey? And Christ is with us. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Even in the darkest times. I love the psalm that says that um, God led Israel through the sea, even though his footprints were not seen. And um, there is one we haven't seen yet. But by his spirit and his truth, he's with us, each of us, you yeah. know, and, you know, that that's life. And so Absolutely. thanks. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. And as as we close out, is there anything else? I mean, I think that's a great way to wrap up. But is there anything else you'd like listeners to, to take away today? Yeah, it is. And I guess it's the theme. Go deep with God. Go deep in the word so that you can. Have a long journey with God. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Dr. Tim, for being on Enjoying the Journey today. We appreciate it. And I think you're right. we got to have another conversation. We'll talk about the evangelist next time. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. God bless you. You too. Thanks for tuning in to the Enjoying the Journey podcast, brought to you by Rise Ministries. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and to follow Rise Ministries on any of our social media channels. Thanks for listening.